This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Papers intact. <laughs> Afternoon set. Go. It's the radio, and um, it's talking to you again. Mm. And it's the <laughs> afternoon, and um, you're listening to Eat It here on 3 RFM. My name is Cam Smith, and across from me I have... I am Matt Stebbin. I have, I've been the first time in a couple of weeks I've been here, so thanks again to Kent for... Uh, panel better Kent for pushing the buttons last week. Kent, you little ripper, you. He's not listening. Oh, there hey, he is. Hey. Just groundhog, a little ground... Uh, or prairie dogging, I think yeah. they, they call that in call centres. Yes, if something happens and then everybody, someone poofs their head up and that's... With the farms and farms of Rawr. cubicles. What? Ah, what's ah. going on? Uh, Matt's very, very happy because he has new headphones and... Uh, yeah, these are, these are they're red and yeah. uh, they sound very different to what I'm used to, so I'm just wigging out right about now. But it sounds good to you, dear listener, I'm sure. We've got a good show for you today, folks. Mm. How is your day going? Have you had enough coffee? We have. Mm. We're caffeinated and uh, and looking good. And uh, one of the things I want to do, working backwards on the show this uh, yes uh, this this hour, is to talk about um, coffee in Antarctica. Right. What do you have there? I don't think they grow many beans down there. Cold filtered? <laughs> boom, boom. Boom, boom. Um, no, we're going to have a, a chat to the chef down at Casey Base because we're getting close to the solstice. And uh, Yeah, they go a bit nuts down there in the solstice, don't they? I think they go nuts uh, a fair bit. There's, mm. sort of, there's a sort of thing about almost like the shining. <laughs> yes, it is, isn't it? Yes. Because there's a big sort of summer crew, Yeah. right? And they all go and then they wave them goodbye. Yeah. 26 souls down there, yeah, right. isolated mm. with the wind. Apparently it was blowing, I think, about 130 kilometres just last night, apparently. And I'm right in saying I think I am. Obviously, you can't get people in and out of there. I think also you can't get anything, supplies in and out of there for a few months. So you're basically locked in. Wilkes Airbase, there is now a runway. Oh, okay. There is now a runway. Oh, okay. But um, I recall many, 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 many years ago we spoke to someone who... Uh, a woman who was um, just starting her stint. Yes. And you could tell during the course of the interview that she was coming to the realisation <laughs> that it was a terrible idea. And it was an awkward interview. Yeah, right. It was really, well, well, we're going now. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no, that's uh, that's not it with Dominic. He's um, very, very happy to be there. He's been there a couple of seasons during the summer. Yep. And we're going to have a chat to him about the realities of, of cooking on the most isolated continent on this planet. Yes, and the fact you don't have a herb garden out the back. You've got to make do with what you've got. Hydroponics, possibly. They mm. do beer now. Anyway, but okay, uh, right. tune in. Mm. All will be revealed. Mm. Um, and then um, before that, we yes. chat to uh, the doyen of regionalism. That'll, let's go with that. you go with that? Yeah. Um, Allerwolf Tasker. 30 years ago, mm. uh, well, probably a bit more, actually, around about the um, the 70s, they bought a property around the lake in Dalesford. The lake was full of cars and refrigerators. Mm. Junk and people. And with- all manners of detritus. Yes. It's hard to... An um, eroded hillside. It's hard to imagine if you've been to Dalesford. Yeah, apparently it was in a very bad way in the... It was. The and mm. we'll find out from her the, the before and after. And, and due to her vision and her relentless... 
notion of perfecting and perfecting and making things better and getting up every day and just turning up for stuff mm. that Allah has cemented itself as as really the uh, the, the genesis of regionalism. And we were, sort of, we were saying before the show, we're lucky in Victoria to have a good number of excellent regional restaurants. Ella really was the first. She was the there first was none. to come up with this idea that you would go out there of the was city none. and yes, source ingredients locally and just present them mm-hmm. beautifully. Yep. Um, and she's still doing it. Didn't exist. Old. No, not Didn't exist then. And um, she's also got something to push. Yes. And wow, what a thing it is. Um, three decades on, Lake House and Dalesford. It's a big tome, coffee table book. What is actually notable about this book is that it hasn't got your normal publisher on the bottom that I was mm. expecting to see. It's got a little person in a boat with looks like a thing of flowers. It's self-published. Yeah, wow. And it's one of the best-looking self-published books I've ever seen. Um, the stock, Matt and I were commenting, it's almost like modernist cuisine. It's very nice paper yeah, they've used for the book. Yeah, that snap. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and this does sound like an interesting thing to raise uh, as, you know, a, well, a good thing about so. a book. But the paper is fantastic. Ah, and on it is oh, the paper. My God, can we talk about the bloody paper? Uh, yes, and uh, and then we're going to go to John Early. Yes. Um, but uh, big thanks to the scientists as well, of course. Uh, cockroach milk. Good luck to the marketing department of that one. <laughs> well, you and I—we've been on board with edible insects for a good number of years, but yes. um, yeah, yeah, could Whoa, be a bit of a dear. could be a bit of a marketing challenge. That yeah, Gruen. What was the advertising channel? Gruen. Gruen. Yeah, yeah Gruen. Yeah, Gruen. Yeah. Yeah, that could be the, the next it to thing. Them. Cockroach milk. Cockroach milk. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Cockroach. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> laughing at my own checks. Uh, but before we do that, yes. uh, we need, of course, because when we look around eating and things mm. like that, uh, we ponder and we go, what's, what's that, that in your mouth? mouth? Boom. Um, yes, I've had some good things in my mouth. I might start, um, if I may start from home. Please. You'd like to go away and I'll do a very, very quick away. Yes. Farfalle. 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 Little bow ties. Yes. What I call them, Have you yeah. cooked them at all? Uh, there is one recipe. It's a Stefano Di Pieri recipe for lentil soup in a cookbook that I stole off you. Yes. Uh, I think you ever gave that back. <laughs> no, I've never front, seen that. It's in the front. Best wishes to Cam. Thank you. And one of my favourite pages of it is uh, the lentil soup, <laughs> yes. which has farfalle in it. It's beautiful. <laughs> okay, or maybe I'll give it back. I've learnt the recipe now by heart. It'll come back. Yeah. Stefan, yeah, cool. <laughs> Uh, that's really funny. Uh, farfalle. What do you do with farfalle? A farfalle. Um, oh, may I ask first? What? Do you make it yourself or do you just buy it? No way. Yeah. I don't <laughs> even know how, yeah. how would you do? Well, you'd have to make little squares and then have some. Yeah, you got to pinch them together. being able to pinch them no, properly. You just pinch them. Right. No, you're not doing it right. What are you doing? Yeah. You just get beaten over the hands yeah. with a broomstick yeah. and keep screwing up the farfalle. So buy them from the deli. Yes, and what I did, okay, so here it was, uh, I did a dish, uh, farfalle, <clears throat> with uh, broccolini cut into small sort of pieces about a centimetre, maybe a little bit more, so that, you know, everything's got to match the size of yeah. the pasta. The heads, obviously, they're a bit bigger, and that's yep. that's all cool. So you cut them all up. You do two two bowls when you when you store them. So one's for all the stalky bits. Yep. The other one's for the buds because they're going to cook a lot quicker. Yep. So you just sort of keep them back. Eh? A, little, yeah. a little tip for you. Ah, hey, it's okay. Uh, broccolini. Um, so what have we got in here? Broccolini, chili, 
Pine nuts, toasted, of nice. course. Yes. Nice. So chili, all right. Okay, yes. Yeah, a little, 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 little bit angry. <laughs> angry farfalle. Angry bow ties. There's, a, there's something that'll keep you up at night. A uh, little bit of anchovy for, you know, a little yep. bit of salt. And yeah, garlic, uh, lemon zest, uh, plus, and this was suggested to me, and I went mm. with it, a touch of cream. Ooh. Just a little bit, little little tiny bit. Mm, okay. Yeah. Mm. Just no, it's okay. It's not going to ruin. And black pepper. Just so the way that you do it very very quickly is cook your farfalle, right? Mm. Oh, actually, you you, you got to sort of coordinate these things. So your water's boiling. You you get um, a saucepan. You put a fair bit of olive oil in there. You start off the. Oh no! Actually, what you do first of all is you you warm up the olive oil and then you warm up the garlic. It's one of those things where you warm mm. the garlic through, take out the garlic. Yep. Aside, heat up the oil, broccolini goes in, heads go in a little bit later, yep. broccolini heads that is, yep. bang, 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 then you cover, or then you put a little bit of water in there so mm. it steams, yep. yeah, this was taught to me by an Italian, good way to cook vegetables, mm. uh, you do that, okay, and then you um, you add the, the chilli, the anchovy, uh, I, I put in the pine nuts at the very end because I don't want them to go sort of soggy. Okay, yes. And then pretty much you've got that mush and then you just sort of toss it through the cooked farfalle. Yep. Um, and then you grate a little bit of lemon zest on there. Yep. And you've also reduced a, a, the, a little bit of cream in there too. Not much. It's like, God, I have probably two tablespoons. Tablespoons, yeah. Yeah, you don't want much. to be fatty. You and just want it to be a little Parmigiano on top and um, it's kind of nice. Virtuous mm. meal. Boom. You've been out of town. I did. Um, and this is something I recommend to all our listeners if you haven't ever had this sort of a day. You might need to save up for it, but... Was this a capricious whim? Uh, oh, no, it was pre-planned. Mm. Anyway, yesterday we just ventured to Southern Cross Station, the big edifice at the the bottom in the town. The I guess. rolling edifice, the rolling roof edifice. Yes, looks we, really good from Three AW if you look down. Ah. Yeah, nice from the top. Yeah. Anyway, you, you anyway, were, we, jumped, in we jumped on a mighty V line train and went to Bendigo, and yeah. what a glorious day it was yesterday, just weather wise, just to be out in regional Victoria, um, and just went to Masons and had. What's Mason's? Mason's of Bendigo is a, a restaurant. How long has Mason's been there now for? Five years, I'm going to say? At least, yeah. Nick and Sonia Anthony. Um, and much in the same vein as uh, what Ella Wolf Tasker pioneered, mm. simply has relationships with a lot of local producers, mm-hmm. sources the best they can get from them, mm-hmm. um, and they do amazing things with it on the plate. Cooks like a god. Yeah. it's. it's I mean, just... just Effortless simplicity, and yet everything looks amazing. Uh, Maddie showed mm. me a bistecca, this huge T-bony thing. Yes, we like had a the, Florentino we type had the, thing. The steak for two. But you've got they had this picture of this. What is it? A hollowed out cos with a Caesar salad in it. Well, it's a Caesar salad, but it's presented in a single cos lettuce, like a big old cos lettuce leaf, and yeah. all of the uh, the grills put inside there. It's yeah, highly recommended. I'd say you might need to save up a little bit, but uh, you'll but, remember that meal for. But a very it won't long cost time. as much as going to Bray. Oh God, no! Or, God, no! Or anywhere in town. No, no, no. It's it's actually yeah, save up, but. Mm. Um, it's not stupidly expensive. It's, no, it's I, actually a bit of a bargain. Like you can get a deg for something like sixty bucks, sixty-five bucks, sixty-five. And the wine lists there are really reasonably priced. A lot of local from Bendigo and Heathcote, etc. Yeah. Um, you can easily get yourself an excellent bottle of wine there for fifty bucks, which is a rare thing to say at most restaurants. Port Melbourne. Port Melbourne. Uh, are we for it? Or are we against it? Sure. No. <laughs> um, it's an odd place. <laughs> It's yeah, it's a nice place. It's, it's very gentrified, right. very gentrified. Oh, oh, hello. 
yeah. yeah it's, it's not the blood and guts, bloodhouse industrial place it once no. was. And yet, um, down the corner, sort of close to Beach, uh, is it Beach Road? 115. Mm. Um, I got invited out for a dinner. Yes. And this was all paid for and everything, just so that I'd go on record of this. Declare it. Declared. Declared. But I, it was so good. Um, ciao Cello and Ciao Cucina. Mm. Um, uh, let's see. Now, who's the chef there? Uh, Brian Nelson and his partner, Kate Dickens. They had a place up the road for years, stupidly popular. Mm. What makes it really, really good is it's in the old courthouse. So speaking Ooh. of the old bloodhouse that used to be Bay Street, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, this is this is where, you know, the drunken sailors would be, yeah, right. you know, sentenced and then there was a jail behind the police station, which is next door. No more. You know, now you can get, you know, your Aperol spritz and yes. Campari. But the food, oh, my God. Um, Italian, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, really recommended. Yeah, um, right. Had a, a prawn risotto there that was just... Incredible, a, um, a goat dish which was amazing with these little soft little pillows of polenta that have been crumbed. And you showed me photos. Crumbed. Yeah, you know it's a good meal if if you're taking photos. Yes, Matt, Matt look at this. Look, look at this. this. You're zooming into yeah, the was, polenta. So look, it, it's one of those things. Um, yeah, the South, um, Port Melbourne. It's worth a look. Oh, to, and uh, Harry. Oh, and pizza. They, do, they there's a, they've got a pizza maker there. Okay. as an Italian guy rather than the pizza maker in yeah. two thousand. Um, Really, really quite cool. I was going to say, also, if you're flying yourself in Port Melbourne, Harry and Frankie's wine bar is well worth a visit, too. All right, there we mm. go. We've, um, we've, we've been around the place. It's our tour of Victoria for uh, the week. So what we might do, uh, this is a little bit unusual, mm. uh, we're going to go and visit John. Yeah, we'll do some uh, sponsor messages first, though. That's right. Good plan. Money, money. Oh, what have you found? Oh, John's found money. This is, uh, not only have I brought sunshine, I brought money. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Cameron. Hello, everyone. How are we today? How much did you pick up? Two bucks. Oh, okay. There wasn't 50. No. Yeah, these Dollar. things don't happen anymore. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, I drove in today to uh, come and see you and then go to the studio. There's not a lot of leaves left on the trees. Um, it's June. We're in it now, aren't we? We are, definitely, and we can see that from the progress. Yes. Uh, a lot of it looks very vibrant because it had a little bit of natural water because um, we've got some lovely rains through the week. Yep. And a little bit of a chill killing some of the microbes, as we say in Italian. So uh, things are looking good. Is microbes Italian word? Well, no, not really. Mikri, Mikri. Ah, Mikri. Yeah, the killer, the Mikri. Um, and uh, you brought and you were shaking. You were sort of threatening me with some uh, some, oh, some rape. I, I proposed to you. I got this you beautiful... You did. Will you marry me? <laughs> I got this beautiful bunch of um, Italian broccoli. Cime di rapa. Cime di rapa. Now, um, you do that better than me. It looks similar to a uh, white turnip leaf. Yes. Um, big long bunch like chicory, and it's got um, like a broccoli head uh, about the size of a twenty cent piece. Well, it looks like a little, maybe even a broccolini sort of yeah, piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but this is what we call a bitter. Um, it can be very, very sour if it's grown um, in in the right place. Like um, my grandmother used to have it growing on the manure pit. On the edge of the manure pit where it got all the nutrients. You know what it reminds me of? It tastes like the smell of freshly mown grass. Yeah. You agree with that? Yeah, sometimes. And this one's a little bit sweeter than most because it's been cultivated. Um, It's got long, thin, thick stems which you peel back like Mm. an artichoke. 
uh, all that beautiful white flesh in the stem uh, is good. I only like it boiled in a lot of water and then we dress it with olive oil, maybe a dash of vinegar and um, plenty of garlic and salt and pepper. Uh, a lot of people do it stufato, which is you put it into a fry pan and you put the lid on and you choke the day- daylights out of it because it fries up. But it's very, very strong like that and I don't like it. But a lot of people do. Even my Aussie customers buy it. Now, this is another one of those vegetables that's very good for the gut as well and the digestive system. So for alimentari. That's right. So the oldies ate it for that reason. Yep. I got a really, um, do you remember there's a chef, Ricardo Momesso? I haven't seen you for ages, Ricardo. Um, he had a great uh, recipe, and, and pretty much it, it's just the basic idea of it is you cook down cauliflower, rape, cheese, pine nuts. Tapa, 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 pine nuts. put any sausage in it? No, no, no sausage. Um, just it's vegetarian. Oh, yeah. But oh my God, it is yeah. so delicious. And you just sort of, you whip it up and there's olive oil and, and you cook it for ages and, and you got to have a really strong arm, but it's, oh, it's good. Yeah, oh, look, a struggle of food's a good struggle, and a lot mm-hmm. of things that are, uh, taste beautiful are hard to do, but it's yeah. worth it. So um, this is at its best now? This is a wintry thing, isn't it? It is a wintry thing. Now's yeah. the time. Um, sometimes for a short season, it depends on what the weather's like out there. Like yeah. if it gets hit by a lot of rain and hail on it, it gets shredded, or if it gets a lot of sunshine, it goes to seed, uh, yeah. the flower buds very quick. So, yeah. yeah, get in there and try it. It's good for you. Uh, a lot of them do it with a sausage, the Italian sausage. It comes up beautiful. Compliments to you, first of all. Well, actually, no, we're, we're sort of getting, moving into it. But compliments to you. I'll J- take it. John, the, um, the, uh, you uh, gave me some bullhorn uh, peppers. Yeah, 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 they're mild, no heat. They're mild, no heat. Oh, my God, they're so sweet. And you told me that I have to stuff them with the, the prescribed stuffing, which was the beautiful um, Italian panko breadcrumbs. Yes, made by yourself. <laughs> you bought them. No, I bought them, Dan. Well, well, yeah, I, I bought them. Anyway, yeah. Uh, which was uh, which was great, um, and okay. So sultanas, anchovies, um, uh, walnuts, um, parsley. Oh my god! Garlic, garlic, yes. Pepper, salt, pepper. Yeah, salt, pepper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, olive oil, and you just shove them in there, and you just bake them, and the concentration of sugars and the beautifulness of that filling. Boy, it was good. And and this would work, folks. If you're out there, don't worry about having to find John's special bullhorn, you know, to go with the rape, which is maybe a little bit exotic for, you know, some. But you could do that with a capsicum that... Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. my God. But it was good. Thank you, man. It was so good. If you do use a normal red capsicum, try not to get one that's too big. Because if you get a big one, um, you know, then you, you keep eating and eating and eating and then, then you're so full. So you pick the nice oh, yeah, yeah. little roundish shape, no bumps and grunts, smaller, fill it up, use a bread crust as a stopper to stop your filling falling out, yeah. that's grandma's uh, secrets, and you can do them in the oven, or you can fry them if you're naughty, so it depends on how good you want to be. Oh, I wasn't that naughty, but gee, uh, they, they were really, really, really good. Um, we haven't had a frost yet, so maybe still stay away from Brussels sprouts and things mm, like that. They're not bad. My, not bad, my mum took some home, I took some home, but I didn't get any, but... Mum said they were really nice and sweet. So, mm. And there has been a light frost in some places. Because yep. um, the fellow from Ballarat that sold me the artichoke said that they got just a little bit of a lick. And um, they, they, you could see it from the side of the skin of the artichoke, but they're still exceptional. Really? Yeah. Yeah, artichokes are great too. This is a great time of year for that. Um, all right, so we've got um, a few minutes left because... Um, 
This is weird. You're at the front of the show, which you're normally not on. So we're about to go. We're going to talk to Alla Wolf Tasker from 30 Years of Lake House. And then we are going to be uh, talking to Dominic Hall, the uh, chef in place at Casey Base, way down south. We think it's cold here. Oh. And seen nothing. We'll find out about all that. But um, let's do a wrap-up about uh, what's been coming in and uh, what, what do you reckon the best things are to look for? All right, what's coming in? We'll start with Tomato, since you are in Tomato City. I am in Tomato City. I've got this beautiful um, tomato here, nice and shiny, vibrant colour, mm-hmm. smooth skin, no imperfections. Now, this came out of Murray Bridge in a glass houses. Um, it's a sweeter tomato. It's had not, a good life. It has. Not as acidic as a Doncaster. Yes. The Doncaster's starting a little bit dusky on the skin. Don't yeah. forget to grow on outside. What yeah. is a little bit of dust that's spent coffee sulfate? Not poisonous. Yes. Um, it looks ugly, but the flavours are knock you over. Which one would you eat for, out of these two? The, the, the pretty one or the slightly ugly one? Uh, at the moment, I think I'd go for the pretty one because yeah. I overdosed on tomatoes this summer. And then, and then we got the ugly-looking Adelaide, the Rouge de Marmont. Now, that's a very, very fleshy, sweet tomato, softer skin. And when, when John says ugly, this is the one that's um, very wrinkled sort of looking, isn't it? That's probably the best way to yeah, describe yeah, it. Yeah, like, like your fingers might have been this morning when it was cold. Yes, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, and um, the beans have been a little bit scarce, so they've been up to $12, but they're beautiful. People have been buying a half kilo or kilo because they know they'll keep more than a week in a crisper. Uh, we've had beautiful hand-picked um, garden peas. Uh, they're little balls of sugar. They really are. Um, broccoli, dime a dozen. Cauliflower, dime a dozen. Um, we've still got uh, grapes coming out of um, the refrigerator that are very crisp and worth eating. Um, look, it's it's um, a, a good cook's delight out there because there's so much stuff. Artichokes? Artichokes, two fifty. Some people are, uh, are saying two fifty each. That's there, but when they pick it up and look, that they've got a stem that's about thirty centimeters long and full of flesh, and a very heavy artichoke. They buy them. They're buying two or three. Some are, are stuffing them with the stuffing that you put into the um, capsicum, yes. and uh, they're steaming them with potatoes. Um, unfortunately, you've got to use frozen broad beans at the moment. The broad beans are coming with a bit of luck. Um, that's the best. Yeah, yeah. Pumpkin, people are starting to make pumpkin soup. We had it roasted last night with all the root vegetables, sweet turnip, white turnip, mm. potatoes, sweet potato. And actually, I just stole a white sweet potato from Callum. You've got to try them. They're very, very nice. Yes. Different colour, different texture, different flavour. Uh, yeah, lettuce is still running a little bit. Some people still having a salad sandwich uh, with the beautiful tomatoes and maybe a nice little bit of ham on top. Um cabbage as well. We had corned beef and cabbage during the week. That was so sweet, the cabbage, that I even had it cold in my lunch the next day. Normally I'll warm it up, but it was just so good. Um, It wasn't very strong or pungent. So I think, yeah, have a look out there. And the fruit, there's an abundance, oversupply of fruit. So get out there, get something to eat every day. What else can you ask for? More rape. Enjoy the rape. I will. And with uh, with some artichokes. Uh, John, thank you. Enjoy the sunshine. It looks like it's going to be a glorious day once uh, it warms up a little bit. It is. I think the people will come out. We've got a a car show out there as well, so come out and have a look. There's some old girls and American girls and all the Aussie ones out there too, so enjoy. Done. Thanks, John. Thank you. It's 12.31 here on 3 Triple RFM. What a... Great Sunday, we just mm. 
chilling by the the radio. Unless, of course, you're Ala Wolf Tasker and you've just got a million things to do because there are always things that have to be done. And uh, just to check with you, did Matt say to you, chillax and we'll be back in a sec? Sorry. Yeah, yeah he did, he did, he did. And, and, you know, there's a hands-on cooking class happening here at the moment and, uh, and, a, and a restaurant full of people and the yeah. hotel's full and there's a few other things happening. Yeah, I'm really chilled, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just chillaxed, man. Mm. I think you've just made him blush. It's good. Mm. <laughs> Ella, a very, very good afternoon and um, thank you for taking the time in your really, really busy schedule to have a chat to us. But... Um, May I be certainly not the first and, and certainly won't be the last to just offer my congratulations to you for all your time that you've spent at Lake House and now there is a great commemoration of it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Cam. <laughs> that's, that's okay. I mean, um, and I guess maybe just to, to start us off, I'm, I'm referring to a book that is... Um, uh, just been brought out. We uh, we introduced it at the start of the hour, Alabic, and knowing that you're not chillaxed, uh, that you couldn't uh, listen to it. Three decades on, self-published. I want to get to that. But yeah. um, I would love to just refer to a literary device that you use so well in your elegant prose in this book. And uh, I'm going to read back words to you, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. Okay, so you say um, that I too am a repository of collected memory uh, for the place. Having started from scratch with an eroded hillside, each treasured tree and shrub is part of a particular passage of time. For Proust, it's tea and madeleines. But for you, Allah, it's the wisteria, a monkey puzzle tree, and mum's lilacs. Um, Here you are, surrounded by... Your memories. Well, I am. I mean, it's it's part and parcel of um, building a sort of a community around us, and also building, you know, massive return visitation. We've now got people who originally came to visit. Uh, their kids came with them in the early days. Some of them have now gotten married on the property <laughs> yes. and some of them are bringing their own children. I mean, it's wow. the kind of thing I actually saw in France when I was a, a young cook um, at Georges Blanc's restaurant, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, three Michelin, small village, Von Art, just south of Lyon. And it had that sense of place and that immersion in the community. And also, it was a place that was still had very high accolades, you know, highly lauded people. I remember used to come over by helicopter for lunch from Switzerland in those days um, wow. and, you know, highly regarded still after uh, third generation, basically, restaurant. Uh, so still very, very relevant, but with amazing patina. You know, you could actually feel that the place had been a place for celebration for many years. In those, in the, in the 70s, I think, uh, when I was there, there was an Australian sommelier, actually, which was very interesting. A, really? An amazing seller, an amazing seller, and quite by chance, um, an Australian sommelier, whose name, unfortunately, I can't remember, but lots of memories in this place. And we're making new ones every day. It's part of our brief. It's, and, and that is an, another thing about um, what I got from your writings is, is the fact that there's a lot of trends and there's a lot of fads out there and we see them come and go. And we've seen a few of them, haven't we? Yes. <laughs> and uh, 
you know, there's that whole thing and you bring out the acronym FOMO, the fear of missing out. Yes. But yeah. for you, the ethos, and certainly with a um, long-time collaborator in the kitchen, it would be saying David Green, correct? Yes. Um, yes. Is perfect, perfect, and perfect. Yes, I mean, I've actually got, you know, I mean, that's that's our ethos in the kitchen. It always has been. And I've got some plenty of long-term collaborators in there, but also lots of new, young, fresh people too who are bringing ideas and, uh, you know, from places that they've worked in as well. But, uh, I mean, the thing about fads, look, you've got to stay relevant. So, I mean, mm. I, I spend... I think I say somewhere in the book that it used to take ages for the books to arrive from France because we were all very much at attached to the French chefs in the early 80s and the books used to arrive by ship. So by the time you got them and they were all in French, you know, things had moved on, whereas now we have this amazing information that's always available online and I can see who's eating what at 11 Madison Park or Le Cucou in New York or, you know, Septine in, in Paris. You can see at a glance quickly how how people are dealing with produce and the solutions they're finding for various cooking techniques. And there is this fear of missing out in a way because you know once you start getting in there, you start travelling down all these zillions of rabbit holes and it's, yes. it's not finite. So you, you actually you have to be very careful that you have your own ethos and your philosophy and that you follow that and you stick to it, but you certainly remain open to contemporary culinary thinking and 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 techniques but i mean if we had of every time you know there was a kind of a, a fad that swept through you know and we started cooking with fire or we became an izakaya or a mexican cantina <laughs> yes. or a korean barbecue joint or whatever Pasta you know yeah. we would have we would have run ra we would have been run ragged i mean our ethos there's three principles in our in our in our culinary ethos, and that's um, provenance, relevance, and seasonality. And it's been that way since day one. Where the food comes from, is the dish relevant to us and our sense of place? I mean, you know, you see beautiful dishes put out by chefs all over the world, but it would be stupid to repl replicate them because they have no meaning in our context. So that's the relevance and the seasonality. I mean, why have a place in the in the country and not and you can see the season through the windows the plate has to reflect the season and i mean the great thing is that the rest of the world thinks so too now they didn't used to i can tell you <laughs> it was um it was a crazy thing when you would have first opened and i remember we've we've spoken many times now on many the radio times, about yeah. Uh, yeah. you know the lake being full of cars and refrigerators yeah. too are you pulled out a few fridges out of yeah. there yeah. Things used to get dumped. I mean, in the yeah. country, when you didn't want it, you kind of dumped it. Yeah, no and worries, Bruce. We'll get rid of that. Absolutely. And the shores of this end of the lake was were kind of known as the swamp. They kind of hoped that everything would sort of disappear and sink under it eventually. <laughs> so it was, and it was had all gauze and blackberry around it. I mean, my mother wept when she saw what we bought. I mean, I think that's a story I've told many times. Yes. And, and I think it's, I mean, it's fascinating now because you see the look on people's faces when they come for the first time to Lake House now and they kind of drive in and they think, my goodness, you know, this is really quite a place and they don't realise what a humble little 45-seater, you know, which we built ourselves, um, was here originally and, and what we had to do to get to this point. But, I mean, for me and the team that's 120 strong now, it's the fact that we still... 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the fact that we still, you know, are on the lists that matter and we get the accolades that we do. You know, we've got a very high rating for for the restaurant and the hotel won the um, best regional hotel in Australia from Gourmet Traveller the other day. Yeah. So that was kind of nice too. <laughs> So I can't tell you what sort of a buzz that gives me because the whole thing of not resting on your laurels and we practice this weird thing which everyone laughs at here um, which is Allah's kind of fantasy of constructive discontent you know constructive discontent yes it's been the forefront of how I train staff right from day one you have to be discontent you can't be content with what you've done there's got to be something better and it's constructive discontent. Yeah. Oh, rather than just just looking for something to tear someone down, it's it's to just keep <laughs> lifting them up, lifting them up, and keep totally, moving totally, forward. Totally. And I always say, look, it doesn't matter how many times people tell you you're wonderful. When you start believing that, that's the end. That's the end. So oh, I, you... I have a saying about that. That's believing your own press releases. Yeah, totally. So yeah, yeah. it's about, you know, kind of what's our benchmark. It's wonderful to have people tell us that we, we're doing well and we're doing good things, but our benchmark constantly needs to be higher and we need to be looking at better, more interesting things. For I mean, you know, the property changes all the time. We're always doing something to it. Um, and that's, that's great. There's a refreshing kind of sense um, as people come here. And we've got new projects on the agenda. <laughs> oh, look, look, I'm sure you do. Hey, Alan, just to you know, bring you bring you back. I, I want to uh, mm. talk about this book because it is mm. quite mm. remarkable, and we haven't got that much Thank time. You. But, but Thank you. oh, pleasure and pleasure. Uh, one thing that I was just curious about. Yep. Do you remember the first people that came through your door that you looked after and fed? Who were they? But do you have a mem- do you have a memory of that? Well, <laughs> I have a memory of the very first night uh, when we opened the doors, and I mean you couldn't. It was it was. I don't know. I can't remember what my expectation was, but we populated a few tables with some friends. We didn't have accommodation then, so mm. they were good enough to make the, the drive into the sort of the desert that was country <laughs> Victoria at the time. The land of McCain's, yes. Totally, yes. totally. So um, we had, I think, we the, the restaurant was quite small. It was a 45-seater, so we may have had maybe five tables of our people and we were going to do a kind of a, a you know a first run we didn't really expect anyone else to turn up yes um and then but the lights were on and the signs were out and <laughs> yes. you know things were on and in walked two separate couples i remember yeah. and we were so astonished we <laughs> just didn't know what to do with yes. ourselves yes. and so they sat down at two separate tables not realizing that the rest were our friends but i I suspect that every mouthful they took, we all looked from the kitchen and and all of the guests looked from... Look, it was not a a very professional operation in those days. I mean, we were were in the wilds. Alan was a painter. I I could cook. We had no idea of business. We didn't know what we were doing, and everyone told us we were mad. So, you know, it was crazy times, crazy times. What are you doing? Okay, and here we are now, 2018, and uh, first of all... uh, the decision to self-publish. 
Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Look, publishing is really struggling. We all know that. It's, mm-hmm. And it's hard for people to make a big investment. Yes. I think this book is a big investment. I mean, we chose the best possible paper we could get. Um, the standard of photography, I think you'll agree, is amazing. Uh, what I wanted... Lisa Cohen, tick. Lisa Cohen, brilliant. Yep. Absolutely brilliant. But she also did everything I asked of her. I said, don't sanitise the farms. I don't really want something that looks like it's out of should I mention Harper's Bazaar, mm. I don't want it all kind of looking pristine and perfect because that's not what farms are and people need to understand how their food is grown. You so, might have been compared to the Hamptons, but come on, we're in Australia. Yes, we're yes. in Australia. So rusty rusty, rusty trailers and tra- trucks are fine. Anyway, yep. um, look, I wanted, I wanted, you know, did, did the world need another restaurateur cook's book? Uh, no, probably not. No. But I wanted to document the passage of time both for this amazing region and for the restaurant because I've been told that it is a rarity and it's uh, unique in in what it's done like how so I wanted to document it with a really really beautiful book and a, a book that would make our local community as proud of the region as I am and hopefully as proud of us and so I wanted to do something really, really beautiful. It's a big investment, and for publishers to do that nowadays is quite difficult. I mean, I had lots of publishers saying, can you do us, you know, 30 new spring recipes from Ulla Wolf Task or, mm. you know, that mm. kind of thing, and can you do three of those and let's do one for each season? You know, and that isn't what I wanted to do. I mean, the recipes are there for people who are interested in our, in attempting our style of food. I make no bones of the fact that it's it's... A craft, um, and people come to our restaurant not because, not for replacement home meals. They come for something extra. So the recipes are challenging. Although there are lots of, you know, there's a good gnocchi recipe in there. There's a good sesame twill recipe in there that you'll use over and over again. That are part of complex dishes. So it's really about documenting the growth of the food community here and the growth, the regeneration of a region that was very, very down at here, like much of rural Australia at the time. And what a job you've done with it, Alan. It is. Um this is a, a, a simply stunning book. Um, Thank you. I I'm doing gush a lot about cookbooks, probably not hugely. No. This is a very, very important tome. Great writing, amazingly photographed, and a great testament in time and a testament to what has been achieved. Um, Ella, we're going to have to go because we're sure. having a chat to the chef at Casey Base in Antarctica Wonderful. to find out what's Wonderful. going to happen for uh, the mid... <laughs> The midwinter ball that they're going to be having. Um, a big Amazing. hug to you, Alan. Love Thanks. you. Love your work. Thank you. a, a big good day to Alan and Larissa. Absolutely. And He's in the studio. I'll say hello. Oh, how much is this book? How much is it? Yeah, yeah. Sixty nine ninety five, and it's in independent booksellers pretty much all over Australia now. I think. Well, worth every cent. It's great. Alan, have a great day. Thank you for taking Thanks, the time Thanks. out, and uh, and I'm going to slap Max for going chillax. <laughs> chillax. <laughs> Oh, bye. bye, bye, bye. <laughs> That's a very chilled yeah. Alan Wolf Tasker there at uh, at Lake House. Lord, what a book! Um, we need to just move on really, really quickly because do. Dom's play waiting. Some sponsorship announcements, and we're going to cross down to Antarctica after this. Great. Twelve forty-seven here in uh, the eastern side of Australia, <laughs> um, but uh, we down south, uh, deep south. And we're talking the cold south, uh, not where you've got a Chevy on, no. on blocks or anything like that. Uh, we've got Dominic Hall, who is the chef at Casey Base. G'day, Dominic. How are you doing? 
Yeah, good, mate. How are you doing? It's Dom, isn't it? Not, uh, is that how you're known? Uh, yeah, Dom's fine. Um, Casey Bass, uh, you are no stranger to the bass, but there was uh, an element that I sort of brought into the conversation that uh, it's almost a little bit like The Shining. When you wave goodbye to all the summer guys and then just a little core team hunker down and keep the place operational and functioning for winter. And uh, and you've got that shift this time. Yeah. What's yeah, it? I do. Yeah, that was actually um, an interesting moment when we watched everyone leave for the end of summer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> goodbye, and then yeah. you all look at each other and go, oh... Well, here we are, and yeah, exactly um, and, right. and there's nobody going to be coming back until October, is it? That you get? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've still got um, five months before we see anyone else. And and that's when the are you still provisioned by the Aurora Australis, the big ship? Uh, yeah, we are. So that comes down um, around Christmas time, and that gives us our supplies for the year. But they've also started bringing in um, food supplies on the C17s. So that's something that, that, that the AAD is just trialling this season, I think. Yeah, because you've got an airbase now, haven't you? Or an air... Uh, mm, you've got yeah, a, landing, a landing field is the wrong term to use, isn't it? Strip. <laughs> Thank you, man. We've got, a, we've got a blue ice runway, yeah. It's um, a, blue a, ice a, runway. a runway built on a, built on a moving glacier. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. It does, does terrible things with the GPS. Um, can you d- describe where you are? Well, just to give us an idea that we're at, we're in Melbourne. Can you just sort of you know not quite st- stick? You said you stuck your head out, you couldn't see anything. But um, where are you? Um, so if you look at where Perth is yep. and look directly south from that, all the way down to Antarctica, then that's where we are. Um, we're kind of out on a little peninsula. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is a kind of a rocky area, and then above us is uh, basically glaciers all over the place. Um, yeah, so it's pretty isolated. <laughs> and and this is at a um, a station I think originally called Wilkes that was taken over by Australia Fifty Nine. Um, one of the big yep. characteristics is quite a few buildings there, but there's the big red building that's still there. Is that right? The red shed. Yeah, the red shed's what that's our living quarters. Yeah, and that's uh, where my kitchen and the mess is as well. Um, along with all our facilities, like um, we've got a gym and a cinema and bar and brewery. <laughs> a brewery? Wow. Yeah, we got a brewery. Um, yeah. How long? How long's the brewery been there for? Um, I think that's something that they've always had since back in the day. So um, yes, yeah, all, all the Australian stations have a brewery on them. <laughs> <laughs> of course they do. Um, different from are, are American stations dry. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think they're... No. Oh, okay. Um, so, the reality of cooking for your people, because in a way you're one of the the ways that people keep sane, I suppose, and, and you probably mm-hmm. provide comfort for them and an idea of home in a way in a very, very alien environment. Would that be true? Yeah, yeah, that is true. Um, one of the things I try and get people, or encourage people to do, is um, 
give me requests, you know, like ah. if it's something that their mum makes or something they eat back at home all the time, then, um, yes. you know, chuck me their recipes. I get people giving me their mum's recipes, and I'm like, oh, God, do you really want me to recreate this, man? Like, it must taste better, so. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you really want this stuff? Um, and you're preparing. We've we've spoken over many, many years now on this show to um, to chefs, that um, are at Casey because one of the uh, the big big culinary days of the year happens to be the shortest day of the year, and I'm talking about the the midwinter feast. But uh, I want to hear a little bit about that. But it, uh, I hope you haven't peaked too early because I was looking at the website and you had this a bit of a medieval shindig. It seems the other night. Yeah. How was yeah, that? First of all, uh, we've had a few. Yeah, that was excellent. Yeah, we um, covered, you know, we only ate with, uh, what was it, knives and spoons and covered the whole uh, table and food and had a spit roast pig and, yeah, it was really good. But um, <laughs> we do quite a few little events like that where we kind of theme it and dress up and kind of put the food with the theme, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and, and yeah, so what, what was on the menu for this uh, this thing? You, you had a, a, a pig, we spelt in the old English way, P-I-G-G-E, uh, yeah, we had um, suckling pig. Oh, God, what else did I make? I think I had some pork belly. I did, like, um, some whole ribeyes um, on the bone. Um, oh, it's a while back now. I can't even remember, to you, be honest. And, and that but, sort of um, begs just the... just covered the plate of food, yeah. Uh, that sort of begs yeah. the question. You get, do you have vegetarians there, and do, do you check on the food oh, allergies? Thankfully... Any dietaries? Like, do you... Uh, over over the summer, I'm actually really lucky that I don't have any dietary requirements. Oh, um, but over uh, sorry, over the over the winter, I mean, um, yeah. over the summer, we had about twenty twenty percent of our station had dietary requirements, oh, no. and that was out of a hundred people. So oh, that no. was an absolute nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can imagine. Oh. We had everything. We had celiacs and vegans, and yeah, lactose free, and uh, oh. yeah, <laughs> makes it a bit more um, tricky when you can't go to the shops. But the big the big day, yeah. or is the shortest day, and um, and that's mm. when the very very special things are sort of dragged out of the freezer. What's on the menu? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've, I've, I actually don't have it in front of me. It's it's pretty big. Um, we basically just I just went into the freezer, looked at all of our most premium um, produce, and just kind of decided that I'm using all of it. So, <laughs> um, you know, I've got some. Got some eye fillers, some pork belly, some quails. Oh, we've got oysters, lobster. Um, yeah, there's always yeah, the lobster comes out. It seems. Bulk. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's surprising how good the quality of the frozen produce we actually have is. Um, so yeah, I'll just be basically plying them with food all day. We'll start with a big brunch. Um, Going to do some kind of cafe, more cafe style food as opposed to what we normally do, which is just buffet. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, for dinner, do three sittings, um, and um, I think I'm going to try and do sharing plates this year, and kind of just again cover the whole long table with food, and you know, kind of create more of an atmosphere as well. And uh, yeah, just just go all out. I'll be prepping for a couple of weeks for that one. <laughs> and who who sort of you've got kitchen hands and people that help you out? Do people people get rostered on to help you out? That does that rotate? Yeah, so everybody on station does a slushy shift, which is basically a kitchen hand shift, um, and they just rotate. So everybody's pretty well trained by now, and they know what they're doing, which is good. Um, but for midwinters, I'll definitely bring in a few extra pairs of hands. Yeah, yeah. get it, get them, get them working. 
And um, yeah, well, yeah. Matt was um, talking about. Uh, I forget how he actually sort of said it, but the the basic sort of question was um, salads and things like that. Do you have hydroponics in situ there now? No. Um, do you grow, yeah, so, do you so grow well, stuff? We do. We do. Yeah, we, we were doing really well until we had a fire in our hydroponics. Oh, wow. And we lost everything. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, that was kind of middle of the night. The fire team had to respond out through the cold and uh, go and put this fire out. Um, and it was all good. It was contained. But um, because the fire extinguisher got let off in the hydroponics section, we had to basically clean the whole thing out and start again. So, that sounds like um, a mansion. We've just now had some... Yeah, we've just now had some kind of some lettuce and stuff coming through, but we're still a while away before we can have kind of fresh salads every week. Oh, that would have been devastating. Yeah, yeah it was a pretty sad day for us. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. How did the fire start, just out of curiosity? Um, oh, something to do with the pump running dry and continuing to pump, I think. Yeah, oh, yeah. Matt, Matt's nodding his head going, yeah. The pump, yeah, the bloody, bloody, yeah, yeah, bloody yeah. pump. Yeah, it was the pump. It was the pump. Um, <laughs> I, I made a, a terrible dad joke at the uh, the beginning of the show, saying, uh, "How do you have your coffee there?" And I said, "Well, of course, cold filtered." Uh, it wasn't a good joke, but uh, it's a by just a way to introduce the topic. Uh, coffee is incredibly important to us here in, well, let's face it, of the Western world. Do you, tell us about the coffee. How do you do coffee there? Um, well, yeah, I mean, we have a huge amount of it. We actually had a bit of a crisis over summer, so um, we, we were running really low on coffee, and uh, that was partly because we had these Italians on station that were just absolutely destroying our coffee supplies. Um, <laughs> but after that, they, they uh, basically um, sent a, a big container down on the one of the C-17s, the big aircraft transports, full of coffee. So now we've got tons of it to last um, until the next resupply. But, uh, yeah, all, all fresh beans, and it was fresh as we can yeah, yes. and uh, it's an espresso machine in the mess. Uh, yeah, we're definitely uh, definitely not um, going without there. Oh, that's fantastic! So yeah, grind to order and uh, away you go. Gee, it might be hard to get yeah, the, yeah. the machine service though. Uh, well, we've got plumbers and sparkies, and they can kind of all stand around scratching their head until they fix it. So yeah, yeah, and, and we've a lot of people looking over their shoulders, going, "You will fix this because we need our coffee." Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It's pretty important. <laughs> Well, um, the thing is, look, congratulations on your placement at Casey. Uh, from what I can see, it's, it's, it's something you love doing and love being a part of. And I mentioned it, it must be amazing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a pretty different experience. There's uh, an awesome website. Um, just look up Casey Base uh, on, on the web. And uh, the other thing that I think is kind of remarkable about you, obviously you, you do great things to keep everybody happy. Uh, if they were talking with the, about those Italians, per elementari, good in the guts. But um, you're also quite a quite a, a great photographer. There's some really really great shots that you do, and I commend people to have a look at the the site and sort of dig out uh, Dom's gems. And you're going to be taking lots of photos for the uh, the mid winter feast. Yeah, we will. Yeah, and we'll be uh, filming the swim leading up to that as well. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> Sorry, mate. There was something wrong with the line there. I thought for a moment you said the swim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The swim. <laughs> you did. You did say the swim. Why? Why are you yeah. swimming? 
Um, it's just a midwinter tradition. We cut a hole in the ice and go for a swim. So, yeah, huh. that's going to be fun. Okay. <laughs> All right. I just made my voice go a little bit high. Uh, Matt's giving me the wind-up. Uh, Dom, thank you so much for having a chat to us, and uh, thank you to the powers of B that uh, arranged this. Have a great winter. We look forward to seeing how the feast goes. Yeah, mate. Thank you. Cheers. See you, mate. Dominic. Uh, that's it for Eat It for mm. this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about truffles next week, which yes. uh, should be kind of good. Yes. Stand by for Still Here. With Neil, he's up next. Yeah. Uh, we should just go, really, shouldn't we? Yeah, and yeah. Uh, don't forget all sorts of great things like Strange Holiday Under the Sun will be on later on. We'll see you next week. Thanks, folks. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.